Did you know that according to research, 10 to 15% of pregnancies end in miscarriage? That means that for every 1 in 10 pregnancies, one ends up in miscarriage. It also, however, does not mean that 1 in 10 women will experience a miscarriage. As of now in the U.S., 80% of childbearing women have more than one child. So while 1 in 10 known pregnancies end in miscarriage, researchers also estimate that as many as 1 in 3 women have a miscarriage. With that in mind, I knew that the moment that I experienced my miscarriage this January, I didn't want to keep it a secret. And so on today's episode, I'm going to talk about what I've been doing in my health since my miscarriage and steps I've taken to shed any light I could find on the clue that my body was giving me about its health. Whether or not you've had a miscarriage or ever want to be pregnant, my goal on today's episode is to share with you about the power you can have in your health when your body breaks down in a way that you weren't expecting it to and you don't know how to respond. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. Okay, guys, so before we get started in this episode and the details of what I've been doing in my health since my miscarriage, I just wanted to make a note, maybe even more so for myself, to share that this is personal information, but it's information worth having. And I know not everybody is comfortable with talking about their health and if you are listening to this podcast episode and you have something in your health that you <laughs> wouldn't want to share on a podcast or aren't ready to share with other people, that's fine. But this is something and one of my passions is knowing how important it is to con to connect with other people who have gone through things that are hard or that we don't have answers to and we don't always know how to respond in the moment. And so this is part of my gift to you and one of my passions of this podcast is being able to be real and being able to say there are so many people who out there who are sick and we we just have no idea and so this is my story this is what I've been doing with the skill set that I have and I really hope that as you're listening that you get a glimpse into some of the steps you can take some of the things you can be thinking about um, whether you're you're just on your own and doing stuff in your own home or you want to partner with a health professional whether it's a doctor or a nutritionist or someone like myself that that you have options there's there's more 
more things that can be done than just what conventional medicine will will stand for and so or will will offer you. So I'll start with post actually want to share post miscarriage, um, which happened in January 2021 um, of this year. Well, I mean, it is this year. If you're listening in 2021, it's this year. Um, what happened and, and I, I remember as it was happening, um, not being sure what how doctors would help me post everything. I, I remember uh, my miscarriage wasn't simple and easy. I, I didn't um, complete the miscarriage right away. And so I, some of the conversations I was initially having with doctors was just like, okay, we want this thing to be complete and make sure the miscarriage is, is completed and thorough and and all that jazz. And so, um, I got done with the miscarriage and that was a huge relief. It was definitely a burden on me of like, ah, like, is this actually going to work? I just want this to be over. Um, and if some of y'all, I'm not going to get too many details of miscarriage, but some miscarriages can be spontaneous and immediate and some, um, you realize that the baby or the, the pregnancy is not, uh, I'm tr- trying to remember, it's not called not valid, but it's it's not, uh, the, the fetus is not alive or whatever the state is. And so, um, but then there's a delay of, of birthing that. And so I was in that delay point, which was its own 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 difficulty, and and that really delayed me being able to think about what's the next thing that's going to happen for me. Um, you know, what am I? You know, why is my body doing this? It was just kind of in the moment of. Um, I remember actually going and getting acupuncture at one point um, in that process just to try and and stimulate. I was taking a couple supplements that can be helpful to stimulating. Um, birthing that that actually can be used in birthing I'm actually going to withhold that information because I don't it's not meant to be used willy-nilly and I I use it actually under the guidance of my acupuncturist who specializes in using herbs uh, to help with both fertility and getting pregnant as well as who specializes in helping people heal from from miscarriages and and help their bodies go strong grow stronger and so um, I was partnering with her and taking some supplements and took acupuncture and ended up using also some um, conventional medicine to help stimulate contractions and that was my initial process and I shared about that in um, an episode, which we'll link in the show notes, where I talk a little bit more in depth on what my whole miscarriage process was like, kind of the the initial part of it, and how I saw the conventional care and alternative medicine partnering together and, and the strengths and weaknesses I saw in both at the time. So we have a podcast episode on that. We'll link that in the show notes. Um, but... Uh, this is now everything after. And I've alluded to it in some of my other podcast episodes that I wanted to share with y'all what was happening or what, what I was about to learn because I literally had no idea. <laughs> in my mind, I was the healthiest I'd ever been. And and I know miscarriages can be total flukes. And of course, I do my due, due diligence and I ask the doctors, why do you think this happened? And they're like, we don't know. And they shrug and they, and, and that's fine. That's, that's the truth. They don't know. They didn't have any answers for me. Um, but that being said, I'm, <laughs> me being myself said, ah, but there's, there, I'm sure there's clues hidden all over the, all over the place of, of why my body just didn't feel ready for this pregnancy. And maybe it was because it was my first pregnancy. That's fine. Sometimes, you know, your body's figuring everything out. But I really didn't want to leave it at that. I wasn't super fond of the idea of a second miscarriage. And and that might still happen, y'all. Um, that has not been a, a bridge I've had to cross yet. But, but 
to do my due diligence on my side with my skill set said, okay, let's let's start with the information gathering. So the same thing I do with all of my clients, I start with information. I don't guess, I don't wait around, I don't play around, honestly. So the first thing I did is I actually reached out to my primary care physician or my family doctor, um, whatever terminology I'll use, and she knows me. She, I'd actually seen her two months prior um, when I got pregnant, when I knew I was pregnant, and talk to her. And so I told her I miscarried just in a short email and she knows what I do. So I don't know if it was that for that reason, but I just sent her a list of markers of blood chemistry or blood labs that I was really interested in. I said, could you run these um, or could you make an order for me so I can get these? And she said, yes, there were some markers. I'll just share this because I think it's fascinating and I do want you all to be aware. There were some markers she wasn't sure if insurance would cover. And I said, um, you know, it was it was kind of annoying because I, this was a very annoyed point on my part where I said, you know, do you have any idea? Can you see based off my insurance how much it might cost? She said no. Um, so the hospital doesn't really understand. You'd have to call your insurance. And she's like, you know, just so you know, this if depending on what your insurance does, this could be upward of a thousand dollars. We just don't know. For the two, there was only two markers I asked for, and they actually were super. They were probably two of the most helpful markers I got out of that blood chemistry. Um, so I'm really glad that I got them. But but she's like, yeah, it could be upwards of a thousand dollars if if this doesn't pan out right. So I was remember being slightly annoyed of like, well, at least when I work with my clients, we tell them how much things will cost. <laughs> um, but with insurance, it's just there's so many layers of bureaucracy. You just don't always know what the bill going to be. So um, I made sure I, I, you know, that those two markers were going to be covered as much as I wanted them to be. And, and there was actually, they were fully covered, which is great. Um, but I got blood chemistry and that was my first step. I, it was very simple because I've got all these labs at my disposal and it, like that I could order um, for myself. And, and you guys have heard me talk about Pathog- stool pathogen test and organic acids test. Actually, I haven't talked about that a ton, but heavy metal, hair tissue mineral analysis and food sensitivity tests, like multiple of those and hormone tests. And and I just like, you can get overwhelmed in how many, like which ones to be picking. And I'm like, I'm not a fertility expert. I understand enough about how like inflammation or hormonal imbalance or pathogens can impact your ability to either become pregnant or stay pregnant. But um, other than that, you know, I'm just kind of like, let's do this the good old way. And so that is actually one of the reasons why I've created Blood Lab Boot Camp, which I talked about in and is going to be available. It's actually available as of now. And I'm going to talk about it more at the end of today's episode. But it is a course that I've created where you can self-guided at your own pace, learn how to read your own blood chemistry markers, find what your doctor missed, and get the next steps. And part of my inspiration for actually creating this course was my own journey, which I've been documenting of of what what was the first thing I did after the miscarriage, what did I learn, how did it guide me, et cetera, et cetera. When I got my blood chemistry, I will let you know that the the labs, according to what we call standard lab ranges, which is what 
what what you, the lab range that says you know if you're if you're within this range you're quote unquote normal normal's the word that doctors use i don't think it's the best word average is a better word if you want to know more about <laughs> lab ranges which i think you should it's a part of health literacy and just understanding what is being said by your doctors and even how they're interpreting things that they're not telling you you can check out our podcast episode titled uh, why your doctor says your labs look normal when you don't feel normal it's it's one another piece that this course is built off of the blood lab boot camp where you learn how to read your own blood chemistry or blood labs and that is how i interpreted my blood markers when i got my my labs these blood labs from my doctor the only marker that was high according to their notes was something called histamine and you may have heard of histamine before um, related to like an antihistamine, like you might take Claritin because you're you have, you know, sinus, you know, whatever congestion or you you're breaking out. So you take Benadryl because you got exposed to something you're allergic to. And so but histamine doesn't necessarily only correlate to those two symptoms. Histamine can correlate to a whole host of other things, um, including diarrhea, nausea, um, acid reflux, you might be, I mean, those three on their own are, are just rampant in the population of people. And so if you are struggling with chronic nausea or diarrhea or like mixed state, like constipation or diarrhea or acid reflux, um, or especially if you know, for, for some reason, you know, you have high estrogen or you're suspicious, you're estrogen dominant, histamine is likely playing a role in what's going on. But histamine was the only thing that showed up high on standard lab ranges. Then I ran it through my functional lab analysis, which has their smaller ranges. And the difference is, is that standard lab ranges are like what the average person is in the, and according to all, like whatever, whoever they're sampling from and average in America is typically not great. And functional is more based off of optimal health ranges. Based off of that, I got a much better idea of where I was at. I my, my, my initial reaction, I'm actually looking at my results right now, was my initial reaction was some relief of like, okay, things, there's certain things that I wanted to be to see that we're good, that we're good. Um, you know, there's, there were some things I was expecting to be a little off my like creatinine, which can be a sign was, was low. And that can be a sign of lack of physical activity. I was like, yeah, I've been like pregnant and miserable. And like, I was just really tired while I was, I was tired and hungry. (laughs) Imagine that. And so that was low. Um, and I was like, I probably, I definitely haven't been as, as physically active. So there were some things that were, that were off. And most of the things that I'm looking at here that weren't my top concerns or my top aha moments they were just mildly off um you know so my triglycerides were a little high but just mildly even for um even for stand or functional ranges same with my ldl cholesterol um you know one of the things that was really interesting is my mcv which is you've probably never heard of it but just stick with me mcv it was high and one of the things that can be correlated with is like a b12 or a folate deficiency and i'm like oh folate and, and b12 you know, those are important for pregnancy um so that was kind of like a little little you know note in my head but what i really took away from it was two markers the the two markers i asked for that i've never seen a doctor run of their own free will uh, at least for like the average even I guess all my clients and then and then doctors with me in my own health history have never run these markers. And one's called homocysteine and the other one's what I already mentioned, histamine. And so one was low and one was high. Homocysteine was low. And that can be a sign of what we call oxidative stress, which is, I don't know, a fancy word for inflammation. We'll go, we'll stick with that uh, explanation for now. 
And then, or a potential gene mutation where my body's processing homocysteine really fast. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, and I've actually been interested the there's a couple gene mutations that can impact homocysteine processing, and that's uh, the CBS SNP and MTHFR. And just in general, gene mutations is something that I was interested in and hadn't really dived into as much as I wanted to yet. And so it was one of the reasons that I reached out to some of the people in my health community and said, what can I, how can I learn more about um, gene mutations? What's like a good good introductory thing. And and so one of my health steps from this blood chemistry test was reading the book Dirty Genes by Dr. Ben Lynch, which we will link in the show notes. Um, but Dirty Genes is a phenomenal book. I felt like it was very, very easy to read, like very approachable. Um, I, I'm imagine it that I mean, even for me, I actually felt challenged. And I remember taking notes and creating sort of like guides for me to to really remember a lot of the gene mutations that he talks about, and how you can help those genes like play nice is how I call it, or he says act clean, basically of like, you know, being a clean child walking to your house opposed to like one full of mud. Um, and so you can clean up your genes is what he says the language he uses or I I say, you know, make them play nice. And so I was like, okay, homocysteine was low. And so I also had on my docket list, I was really interested from this um, blood chemistry test, could I get a really clear idea on good labs to run, something really worth my money, worth my time. And so with that homocysteine being low, I, I added onto my list of labs to consider a 23andMe test where I would get some gene mutation information and not just, uh, you can get more than gene, uh, or you can get more than your like family lineage uh, from 23andMe. And so added that to my list and wasn't ready to pull the trigger yet, but I was like, okay, let's keep looking. The other thing that was off and just totally surprised me was histamine. Uh, and histamine, it was my plasma form. I was just absurdly high. Um, the standard lab range, this isn't functional, the standard lab range was zero to eight in the units that it has. And I was at 34. That's how I was like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's high, guys. I'm sure, I'm sure it can get higher. But um, I wasn't mildly off for that. And so um, options that I have in, in, in when, when you do functional lab analysis, you actually you don't just say histamine's high. Therefore, I had recently been exposed to a pollen and it made me have a histamine response. There's a lot of things that can cause high histamine. And that's how functional medicine and functional health works differently as you're considering multiple options and you're looking for patterns that's kind of it. And, and not that conventional doctors don't do that. They totally do it, by the way. But um, the, the number of things we keep in mind uh, to look for patterns, the, the things that we're exposing our brains to as we're looking for things and the markers we're keeping in mind that we want to know, have information on is broader typically in functional health because we're trying to find the root cause. I'm not just saying, thinking like, oh, histamine. I'm sure it's pollen, the root cause could be way deeper. So options, which I wrote in my my little notes because it helps me as I'm doing analysis, I do this with my clients and myself, and this is part of what I teach in my course is just writing notes um, what 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 one marker might mean. So undermethylation, which has to do with actually connects to a potential gene problem or or a nutrient deficiency that my liver is not methylating the way we want it to, uh, could 
it could be connected to depression, which I was like, okay, I just had a miscarriage. I'm not super happy, but I haven't been depressed. High estrogen or estrogen dominance, dysbiosis, um, which is bacteria that create histamine. And those were the big ones that I wrote down. There's a couple other options, but those were the ones that stuck out to me. I also know that histamine can be created by food sensitivities. And um, I actually didn't write that down, but that was one reason that I wrote down on my labs to consider a food sensitivity test I hadn't done yet. And so that that ended up on there. So those were two markers were were the most surprising to me and the biggest. My vitamin D was actually really low. And yeah, that's really not great for reproductive health. I was like, gosh, if this was all about me taking a vitamin D pill, that is sad. And, and I felt a little chagrined at that point of like, I was like, I guess I haven't been super great about taking vitamin D pills. Um, And at the same time, vitamin D or any supplementation, it's not always just about are you taking it, but but do you is is your body able to also absorb it? So um, that can be the case with calcium, with zinc, with B12. And I get into that with my my blood course or blood lab boot camp. We talk about um, what. If it's it, having a low or high marker isn't always about well just supplements, um, especially if it's low. We I think the doctors are like we'll just take more, and and that can be the case. You definitely want to be consistent with something not definitely, potentially want to be consistent with something you're low in. But you also can be low in iron for lots of reasons other than how much you're intaking it. And that's something I really jump into in my course and guide you. How can you, from your blood chemistry, discern is this potentially just a intake problem like supplements or food? Or how much of this is an absorption problem? Like I'm eating it but or I'm supplementing for it, but I'm just like, I'm probably just pooping and peeing it out, which we don't want happen. So vitamin D was low. And then my thyroid was kind of all over the place. Um, and it it's it's kind of complicated enough that I, I'm not sure if I really want to jump into it uh, here, but it is something I go into in the the blood chemistry course or my, my blood lab boot camp. I'm not doing great at calling it by its name, y'all. It's my first course, <laughs> but I'm very excited about it. Blood lab boot camp. And so thyroid is another thing we actually really do jump into and the nuances of of things your doctors, most doctors that I'm working with my clients on, this is not to slight doctors, but but just in my experience of when we're not seeing results in our clients, we are not getting good thyroid marker um, evaluation, as in they're just missing information. And so doctors that I have worked seen blood labs from from clients I've worked with are not running all the markers you need for thyroid. And you just don't know that if you are being told that. Like, And I remember when I was years before I was doing any of this work that I do now and going to the doctor and seeing a gynecologist and a gastroenterologist and PCP and, and they're just like, they tell you everything looks normal and you're just like, really? <laughs> and so all these ranges I'm looking at, like some are high, some are low um, for my thyroid were actually normal in standard range. And some of these are markers that, again, doctors don't even run when they run markers. So that was my initial blood chemistry. I was like, okay, thyroid's got something going on. Vitamin D, sure, I'll take that sucker. I can do that. That's 
Let's just go with that. But then homocysteine histamine really were at me of like, is it oxidative stress? Is it genes not be playing nice? If so, genes not playing nice has multiple, multiple layers. It's not, you You can actually make a gene play nice. It's, it's considered like turning on or off a gene. And that can do typically with inflammation. It can do with everything from blood sugar levels and estrogen levels and toxic toxicity of the body, how well the liver is decongesting or how well the liver is detoxifying your body. If you have pathogens, high levels of cortisol from the pathogens, like all of that just makes your genes go crazy. And so um, diet, of course, sleep, <laughs> stress levels, all of those will impact your gene function. But for me, I was like, okay, I like teach this stuff. So I consider myself decently good at what I'm doing, but but all I can know is the data is telling me I'm missing something, and I'm fine with that. So I made my little list of labs that I was going to do. So blood chemistry was my first, and it's a great first lab because it's typically relatively low cost. Um, for some of our clients, depending on their insurance, it might not be. And in that case, we actually have access to a lab where you can right now, as of the day that this is recording and release we can get you all of the blood chemistry markers we recommend for $225 through working with us. And so that can be much cheaper for some people than when insurance doesn't cover it. Um, and so that is, that's an option. But, but honestly, for me, this blood chemistry was free. And that's why it's such a great first step for anybody in their health when something crazy and weird goes on. First off, your doctors are probably already running blood chemistry or blood labs, and then you just don't know it and or you don't know what to do with it. And it'd be like being handed a book and not being able to read it. Um, that is, it's just mind boggling. And that's one reason I created this course is for whatever reason, I feel like people are, I, I don't know if it's doctors or ourselves, but there, I think that there's just this belief of like, well, I can't probably understand it. I'm not smart enough. And it's like, if you can learn to read, which that is, that is the, the norm in America, that's, it's not maybe a hundred percent, but it is, it is very close to a hundred percent being able to read. Like you, you can learn how to read blood chemistry and, and interpret it in a functional way and have those tools. And so that's what I am so excited about um, for having created this course. So on moving on from blood chemistry and all its wonderful things that it has going on, the fact that it's free, maybe for the most part, and gives such good information. Um, the next thing I did was those, the labs that don't come free but I knew it would also provide information. So what I did is I did something called a Zoomer test, and I actually did an in-depth, um, it's a blood chemistry, or it's a blood test, and really got an idea of all my antibody responses to wheat, corn, lect something called lectins, which I'm not going to get into that, but it's just a, it's another aspect of food and that I was suspicious I might be sensitive to, but had never gotten testing done. And then grains, like an assortment of grains. And uh, I'll get to that in a sec on what the results were, were on that. Then I got a something called a HTMA or a hair tissue mineral analysis where I looked at the mineral balance levels in my body and also any presence of heavy metals, which can, again, it can impact everything from fatigue to hair problems, mood problems, um, fertility, ability to hold on to um, a child. Uh, fun fact, heavy metals have been found in the umbilical cord of, of 
mothers after giving birth. And so there is strong signs um, that that heavy metals pass from the mother to the child, which can deeply impact their development. That's physical development, mental development, speech stages, mood. Um, And so I'm like, well, I don't, I mean, I don't, not only do I just not want heavy metals in myself, but I don't want to pass them on. And I don't want also heavy metals to inhibit me from, from having pregnancy. And it's just a test I hadn't done yet. And it's also like super affordable. So I was like, I'm doing this test. It was just, it was just on the table. Wasn't as connected to the, to the blood chemistry. Um, But it's, it was, I, I felt like, it was just something that I needed to get done because I never had. And then I did our hormone test that we do called the Dutch test. And it both looks at adrenal gland health and sex hormone health. And I want to just get an idea. Like, you know, I was probably six, six weeks out. I might, I'm, I didn't check the, all these dates. Oh, not as, yeah, I did it much quicker than that. Maybe three weeks out um, from my pregnancy, which might have, you know, altered some of my, some of my hormone or pregnancy or some of my, my levels. But, but I really did want it to know as, as quick as possible what I could do so I could move forward. So I also did consider doing another pathogen test of like, uh, is there something invisible? But I really felt like I didn't have enough symptoms other than my miscarriage to really garner the the pathogen test from everything I know about that and I've definitely I have run tests on a couple clients who really wanted pathogen tests done even though I thought like you don't have enough symptoms to really suggest you are having that you have a pathogen but but they wanted to and 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 honestly that is your prerogative as far as I'm concerned for our clients like because of the benefits of paying out of pocket, if you want, it's kind of like if you're at a restaurant, if you want to add cheese and you want to add on a dollar for bacon and you want to add a dollar for an egg and you just add stuff on, that's your prerogative. And so that's one of the benefits of doing things in a cash-based in health is that you don't get told like, well, we're not going to do that. And a lot of times that's because doctors have their hands tied because insurance is guiding them on what is an appropriate reason to take, do certain tests or not, because they don't want just like gobs of dollars being spent for something they seem is they deem isn't relevant. And so, yes, you don't want to run tests for no reason. And I'm in that same camp, but, but if you do want to run it, like, gosh, you can like, and so I, I did that little way thing and I was like, I, all of my intuition is telling me that it's not worth it and I don't want to just go hunting for something that's not there. So I chose to hold off on a pathogen stool test and um, just stuck with the Zoomer, which is my food sensitivity tests, my hair tissue mineral analysis, and my hormone test called the Dutch. All right. What did I find on them? So drum roll. <laughs> First test that I got back was the Zoomer test, and that was that actually showed that I am very sensitive to corn, rice, and why am I blanking on the last one? Corn, rice. It's the other. There's another um, gluten free. Was it quinoa? Something like that. Um, there were three grains that are gluten free that I am sensitive to. And other fun fact, a lot of grains have what we call cross-reactivity, where they, if you eat one, your body thinks it looks like something else. For example, rice actually can look like, or peaches and rice have um, molecular similarities to each other. Um, so I'm staying away for peaches right now because my body really doesn't like rice, but I mean like it really doesn't like rice and corn, like really bad. And so... Um, total shocker to me. I, I, I definitely have some symptoms where, you know, part of me is like, am I a perfectionist? And, and let me tell you guys, I fall 
I fall, I don't know, victim sounds strong, but yeah, I guess victim to those same, like maybe I'm making up my symptoms in my head. When am I like a little fatigued? And by little, I mean like maybe a lot or, you know, these, these things I'm like, is this just me? Am I just being a perfectionist? And I want my body to feel better or maybe there's something else going on. So I hadn't really tackled any in-depth testing until this infertility. But let me tell you, I really take every clue the body gives me as a clue. Every moment of acid reflux or diarrhea or constipation, like um, is it, all of these things are clues. And that's part of how we get our clients having better results is we don't just say, are oh, you just being a perfectionist and you're, your, your body's just going to be the way it is the rest of its life. And so get used to it. Um, at the same time, I was sort of falling victim to that. I admit, because when I got my Zoomer test back, I was like, Ooh, um, I'm going to go off corn and rice. My, cause I was already off of gluten and dairy, but I did get my, I did get the wheat test just to make sure that my body, that my markers actually said that I was staying sufficiently, like I wasn't getting contamination and my body wasn't flaring up due to some wheat exposure that I wasn't aware of. That test came out good for wheat, which was great. Um, and then my corn and rice, which I was definitely eating multiple times a week, probably, I don't know, once a day, either one of them, um, if not twice or three times a day, um, those things were just really, really high. So I got off of them and man, I felt way better. I feel way better. Um, my, my skin is better. My energy levels have improved. My pain levels have definitely improved. I think I went through a detox because I ended up having headaches for like a month. Um, and you can go through a food sensitivity, like a detox from foods you're sensitive to. Sometimes it's related to essentially like a, um, addiction you can develop for some people. I forgot. There's a percentage that they found um, of people can have like an opiate receptor response to wheat and dairy. And I I don't know if they've done it on corn and rice, but, but I figure why not? And so sometimes people going off of these foods, you can feel way worse. And that can be related to either kind of like an addiction withdrawal problem, which you just have no idea until you do it, or and it could be and or um, the fact that when you remove these inflammatory uh, aggress, you know, aggravators from your body, your body goes, hey, weather's really nice. Let's do some spring cleaning. And then you just feel bad because you're detoxing all this stuff now that you're not exposing yourself to stuff your body hates. And so um, got rid of corn, got rid of rice really felt better. That was an, its own emotional journey. And I'm actually going to get to that in a second because I want to deal with the fat hard facts first of my lab testing and how I got to where I got. And then just like what it was like to practically go through the changes that I deduced and, and got to from my tests. Okay. Um, next we have the Dutch test. As a reminder, this test is a combination of adrenal gland hormones like cortisol, your st a stress hormone, and also sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, and a bunch of stuff. Um, honestly, before I'd seen this test and been trained in it, I didn't even know existed. Like it's stuff that they don't, they doctors don't look at. I. I I don't know. Some I'm guessing again. Some doctors do. Um, maybe it's because they're functional doctors. Maybe some conventional doctors do look at these things. I just wasn't talking to them, and none of my clients have ever talked to these doctors before. So um, I had some classic stuff like post-pregnancy hormones. A couple, two, uh, two were really high, and it was like very much like yeah, when you're when you're pregnant, these just tend to be high. Um, I'd also fun fact, and I keep this in mind. I had recently within. 
what, two weeks of doing this test, I had, which I did at home. It's a urine sample you collected at home, super simple. Um, but I had gotten the second COVID shot. So also I was talking with another friend who does what I do and she's like, that might have not been the best idea. It might have messed with your results. I'm like, it's true, but I I just wanted the test results. And if anything, I can always look back fondly as the test I got after a COVID shot. <laughs> and so I get this test back and a couple the things that I took away from it that I felt like this really feels relevant and it matches up with some of my symptoms one and it matches up actually with my blood chemistry so blood chemistry comes back in we don't just look at one test and then just analyze a human being based off of one test like that's i don't know it's like looking at someone uh, this is a bad thing it's just like knowing one aspect of one somebody and then deciding you know everything about them that's the best thing i can think of right now and so I but I found something that correlated, which is on this test, it showed that I'm not methylating one of my estrogen hormones um, really well. And it shows that I'm actually methylating it slowly. And so that was like, okay, methylations now come up sort of three times homocysteine, which was low, which can be a methylation problem, usually methylating too fast, but it's different genes regulate these homocysteine versus this estrogen I was looking at. Um, Histamine um, being high can be a a methylation problem, this time being slow methylation. And then I was getting a slow methylation response from detoxing one of my estrogens and I was like okay so that really helped me and that actually gave me a specific clue of a supplement to take to help um, clean my liver more or less and support it in the meantime and that's helped immensely when you methylate this sucker slow that I'm looking at you typically methylate um, several neurotransmitters slowly as well and it can end up making your anxiety higher and just like jittery and on edge and and uh, it's been really helpful I've seen just some of my high like high feelings of tension improve and then the book dirty genes really gave me an insight on the gene it's called compt gene c-o-m-t and it can be fast or it can be slow and it in the book it just reiterated some things i was intuiting but it was great talked about some diet changes to make and and how often to eat with this gene and just some things that i was like I, i always intuited it and i just like i think i cried reading the book and i kept on telling my husband like this is so amazing um because it makes you feel a little bit less alone even with every that I understand and know, um, anytime you come across somebody else saying the same things, you feel a little bit less insane. And so, um, you know, found out that this Compt gene, uh, uh, Compt methylation was behaving slowly and got some action steps from that. And then also, again, became increasingly more suspicious that um, maybe some of the things I was doing either in my lifestyle or some things I could do with healing my body through supplements um, or like, again, detoxification, like I've been doing more saunas. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, But all that could really help me. And so um, that was my big takeaway from, I was really happy to see that I had done a hormone test about a year prior, almost exactly a year prior to doing this test. And my progesterone was literally postmenopausal levels. It was in the pits. And that just showed that I had really high levels of inflammation. I never took any progesterone supplements or like bioavailable, not bioavailable, bio, um, not relevant. I'm not thinking of the words, guys, but but the similar, you know, hormone. Um, I didn't take any progesterone to supplement it. All you have to do with progesterone is remove inflammation and it pops itself back up. So when I did my test a year ago, which sounds short while ago, but it feels a long time, I found out I also had a parasite at the same time. So 
I just see that as like, oh, no parasite, progesterone pops back up. And we see that every time. Um, and progesterone helps you sleep. It helps you feel calm. Um, all of that. And I just, progesterone was super happy looking, um, which made me happy. Uh, adrenal gland health didn't surprise me and I'm not going to go dive too deep into it. I didn't get too many action steps from it. Um, but it, but it was good for me to get my eyes on what was going on. And with all of that, I, I just felt I felt connect, more connected to my body. I got an idea. Actually, um, another thing that my body that this Dutch test gets into is how well your liver's detoxing through a marker called glutathione. And my glutathione was really low. So again, there's just more things that I was like, oh, oh, okay, got it. And it, it was really helpful. And the biggest takeaway from the Dutch was really methylation. Um, and so methylation was really on my mind. If you've never heard of it, that's okay, but use the maybe substitute the word detoxification. And then uh, my hair tissue mineral analysis just showed some of my minerals were low. I imagine my minerals were probably way more out of balance in the past 12 plus months of my life. And so I think that they're on the mend and I did have some heavy metals I was detoxing out of my body. So I did some subtle like supplementation of a supplement where you bind like these toxic elements and you so they don't re-enter your body and you can just more safely excrete them literally through excrement and then um I also got an idea of like I'm gonna supplement with a couple minerals so that it actually minerals can help with adrenal gland healing it can help with thyroid functioning and I don't mean iodine and selenium though that is those two are included but um actually just like all these different minerals um, levels can, including things like calcium and sodium and, and magnesium, they can be hints as to how your body's doing. And so I was like, okay, I can, I can tackle this mineral thing. And I'm, I'm going to just put my set. There was no like huge aha moments of like, holy cats, my arsenic's really high. But, <laughs> but I did, I, I was glad to find out my arsenic wasn't high at um, right now. All right, so those are my three tests that I did and my takeaways. And now it's kind of like the emotional and lifestyle repercussion to all this because that's its own its own topic, right? Like step one in, in working with our clients is gathering information, which that's literally, wow, the last 40 minutes of this uh, podcast or, or, or so about that. Um, but then the next step is creating a plan, which I've kind of alluded to the plan and some of my takeaways. And then the last part is working the plan. And, and that's that's, that's what just takes the time somewhere just because sometimes just because you can't implement everything all at once. And sometimes because once you do implement it, it just takes a while, like a cast, you put it on, but then you have to wear it for a while. And so my biggest change was definitely going grain free. Um, I remember the week it happened, we had a meal planned with some friends or the week I got the results back. And interestingly enough, these friends are actually, um, the husband is diabetic and they eat a low carb diet. And I just messaged her and said, Hey, I just want to let you know that if you have any grains on the, on the menu for, uh, for the three, like my husband and myself and her, which her husband wouldn't be partaking in, I'm just, I'm not going to be eating any grains anymore. And, and it, they were technically, technically maybe one of the safest people I could have told because they like live that stuff of eating grain free. But I was still, it really hurt. I really felt that renewed scent, not renewed. Yeah, I guess renewed, um, new sense of, uh, I was the bigger, biggest problem 
person to feed. And I think I've, I I think I know that I have really improved over years of like being gluten-free and dairy-free. I, that doesn't bother me as much because it's just, it's just normal now. But initially it was definitely hard. And for a lot of our clients, it's hard. It's like telling the, the party person or telling you whatever it is, can you make sure that you get something from if you're at a workplace and you're you have to tell your boss or whoever's coordinating like hey um can you order me a salad instead of a sandwich or whatever it is um and i i mean i think one of the things that have, has helped over time is just repeatedly seeing the kindness of the people i've worked with of saying yeah we can do that and also realizing not everyone's going to be kind and not everyone is comfortable and also learning how to deal with those people, but just feeling like, okay, I know, I know what to do if somebody does feel put off or I know what to do if someone is overwhelmed by that request. Um, and I have a bunch of skills for that. And those are things we teach and work with our clients on. And I also realize that I have a lot of supportive people and I can focus even more so on the people who are supportive of my changes, whether they're eating those diets themselves or simply are like, yeah, we can totally accommodate for you. Um, that just really helps. Um, but admittedly it was hard. I was like, crap, (laughs) I've, Two more things. You know, the corn and rice were big. Um, I guess the rest of the grains also. But the corn and rice just felt felt big, um, bigger than everything else. And so um, some of the tactics I specifically took with the, with the diet change was I only told a few friends at first, just kind of the ones that I felt um, were safest, best, my best empathizers, my best biggest support champions. Um, I talked with my husband about it and I cried definitely when I talked to him and just like letting that emotion flow through of like, honey, I'm sorry, I'm so broken. Or I don't know if I said anything quite like that, but like, just like all those emotions that come up. Um, I focused on what I could eat. That is so important. Not focusing on what you can't eat anymore, but just being like, maybe handwriting a list of all the things I could eat. I don't, I I didn't do that specifically, but I went through my pantry and visually was like, I can still eat nuts. I can still eat fruit. I can still eat peanut butter. I can still eat coconut. And, you know, just went through all the stuff I could still eat. I can still eat all these smoothies that I like to make myself. And, um, really, so again, focusing on what I could eat and celebrating that and making sure I had delicious stuff. Another big win was uh, the week after I got the test results, buying new foods that I could eat, like almond flour crackers, which are delicious. I really love them. Um, and that just that just calms the heart down, calms the emotions down of like, I can still eat delicious, fun foods. Um, anticipating and focusing on the anticipation of improvement in my health was phenomenal and really huge. Um, my husband and I invested in something called Daily Harvest where they it's like these freeze-dried vegetarian meals that also have like grain-free options, like a lot of grain-free options. And that was huge um, just to take off some of the pressure of, of, of meal change. And, and I realize not everyone can do that, but I, but, but we decided together that this was worth our money and it's been really helpful. And one thing, the last thing that really came to mind for me that kind of just helped me process and swallow this pill, because one of my biggest questions when I was telling friends that I'm got this test that says I'm sensitive to corn and rice, like really sensitive. Um, um, and that it was actually affecting my blood brain barrier. My blood brain barrier significantly damaged, um, according to some antibodies that I got also in that test. And I was like, it correlates like 
not being able to think of words or, you know, be foggy headed or having difficulty recalling names, like just like any of that, just not super fun. And while maybe many people deal with it, and let's say it's not like if you ever experience it, it's bad. But if that's the majority of your life experience, that's probably been a pet symptom I've just been keeping. And and I think that's fine. Like sometimes you just don't know what you can get rid of. But also that's partly why I do what I do because I'm kind of like a super against just keeping symptoms because you think you have to. And so that was really huge. Um, but but I was just really reminded and, and re- refreshed myself on, you know, I'm a Christian. I really have sunken deep with this this sort of sad but also important concept that the world is broken. It's not the way it's meant to be and the way it was meant to be built. And so I'm not living the life I'm designed to live. Like, I believe that God created us to be able to eat corn and rice and, and wheat and that they're not these like evil foods that were like, ah, like I, you never knew I put poison on the planet. Like they're not poisonous inherently, but they are right now for whatever reason. And everybody has a million reasons why they're bad or harming us. And, and, and one of them might be more right than the other. But the truth is, and what we're finding is they're harming lots of people, like lots of people and it's causing autoimmune disorders and Hashimoto's and ulcerative colitis and and being connected to Alzheimer's and just all sorts of crazy stuff that we is not great. So um let alone infertility and or miscarriages. And so I'm like, it's just not worth it to me. I, I have no interest in developing any of these problems um, or be keeping myself on the path. And I definitely don't want to miscarry again. So I'm, yeah, they're gone and probably forever. And I just reminded myself the world's broken and and I don't get to be like, well, I don't want there to be poor people or the poverty or something. And so I'm just going to ignore the fact that it exists. It's just not helpful. Um, and so... Uh, I took action and and owned that, and that's now part of my life. Um, and and I feel a lot better. It's been late July, and I made all the change in June. I guess it's not very long, but I feel very acclimated to it. I know what I eat, like to eat for breakfast, and I got all my new meals, and and it's great. So uh, I also really reduced my alcohol intake. I was just noticing that I was getting some odd symptoms with alcohol. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I don't want to tell you, but one of them was just like very odd smelling urine. And I was like, it kind of smells like ammonia, which is not great. It actually can mean that I'm getting high levels of ammonia um, from alcohol, which means my liver's not um, processing it super well. And I was like, it's gone. Goodbye. And, and I really reduced alcohol. Like, and I, it's not, I didn't even drink it that much, but I, I don't drink a full serving. If I drink any at all, I just, uh, mooch off my husband and tell him he can have a second drink if he really wants one. Um, then I also was exercising less since January. And that has to do with the fact that I love exercise and I, and I do still exercise, but I felt like I really wanted to listen to my body and there can be times where it's appropriate to be exercising less and be just super gentle with your body. My cortisol was weird enough that I also was like, okay, like I'm just going to be gentle. I'm going to do saunas. I'm going to do walks. I'm going to do yoga and short stints of cardio, but I'm not going to be running 10 miles, even though I really wanted to do actually a centennial or centennial, a century, a century with my husband, which is a hundred mile bike ride really wanted that, but I didn't, um, do that. And so I was really just, I've just been listening to my body, what it needs. I've, um, you know, 
started sleeping a little bit more in the morning or just getting a little bit more sleep. And and I don't actually want that to be the goal for the rest of my life. I just feel like if I can spend six months focusing on preparing for a marathon or a triathlon, I can spend six months focusing on being gentle and resting. And that was actually really hard. And some of the hardest things that can happen with that if you're used to exercising is like feelings of guilt or like these shame thoughts that are like, you're lazy or you're doing this just because you're lazy and you're, you're, you, this is actually who you really are. And that's the worst dang thing. Like of the whole, any change in, any change in exercise, if you exercise more, you can get those things of like, you can't lift enough weights or you, you're so out of breath or you're, you're, I don't know how fast you run is really slow. And, and it's just like, we don't need those thoughts. It's not helping anybody, but we get them. And, and so another this is here. That's actually an action point that I got out of all this was I had not read any Brene Brown books yet. And she's um, has one of the top. She's one of the most listened to TED Talks. And she's a psychologist who studies shame and vulnerability. And she um, has all these books on shame and vulnerability and guilt and worthiness and feeling like you're enough. And I was like, great, I'm going to read one of her books. And actually I'm on her second book. So I read the book, The Gifts of Imperfection first, which was really short and to the point. And I basically used it like my morning reading to, with, with my quiet time, like my, my time where I'm developing my relationship with God. And, um, and I just would read a chapter. She had these like really like eight page, 10 page chapters in the book. And it was just super aligning to my spirit and my mind of like, some of it was reminders. Some of it was straight up like, huh, had never thought of this this way. Um, but really helpful in, in continuing to develop my sense of worthiness outside of what I did and giving up perfectionism and this constant need of like portraying a certain thing. Fun fact, despite exercising less um, with being off of rice and corn, I my weight has like I mean, my energy levels have actually all improved. And not that I was super overweight, but like I, I've seen fluctuations in my weight. That I'm like, that makes no sense. And it's just like, whatever, you just figure you're a body and you're going to love yourself no matter what. And you go on your merry way. But then the fact is, is that I've seen my my body weight stabilize. And it's true. If you are eating foods that your body considers inflammatory, you're just not processing your energy super efficiently. And you're going to have usually extra hunger for one reason or another, which has to do with your microbiome. You're going to have um, decreased efficiency of using the fuel that you're giving your body, whether that's nutrients or the calories. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's a deadly cycle. And so, um, I actually feel phenomenal and I really look forward to when I get to exercise again and I'm just listening to my body still. I don't have a specific date. I'm I'm not this is not like after I after X date you have to kill yourself exercising. Maybe it's after I have my next child. I don't know. We're going to wait and find out. In the meantime, I'm definitely doing less exercise or, or like gentler exercise. So shorter frequency or gentler um, intensity, less duration, things like that. I got I uh, started focusing on a couple supplements, um, which I'm not going to get into, but that does include a prenatal. Um, it does include uh, hydrochloric acid to help my stomach acid levels stay high enough so I could actually absorb key nutrients like B12 and zinc. And I get into that with my blood chemistry. There's a lot more other things you need to know if you want to actually absorb your supplements well. And I do hesitate against just throwing hydrochloric acid in your stomach because if you have certain pathogens, you can feel way worse on it. I read a bunch of books 
which I've already mentioned some, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown, um, Dirty Jeans by Dr. Ben Lynch. I read The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur because I'm a business person and I felt so burned out in my business after miscarriage. And I think that's partly just like being burnt out from miscarriage and and also like COVID and just like everything was like kind of hitting. And this is, you know, like it just happens, guys. I imagine if you ever have felt burnt out in your job, whether that your job is being a mother or being an employee or if you own a business, you get it. It happens. And so The Soul Source Entrepreneur by Christine Kane was just phenomenal and super healing to my soul. I got a counselor to because I was like, ah, I need to process this thing. And and I just knew it. Like I was like, I could I could not get a counselor. No one's going to make me. But like probably going to be better off if I get a counselor. So I got a counselor. Um, for an undetermined amount of time, but it ended up being about three months. I ended up processing way more than just my miscarriage. It was super phenomenal. And I mean, I told my counselor so many times, I was just so grateful for her. And it was really good choice on my, I was just glad I did it. And I took time off in February and April. I went to Florida where um, I have access to my fam- my parents had recently bought a home. And again, this is not something everyone can do. And we've never owned a home in Florida before, but now we do. Um, and, and I, but I took time off and I actually just like went down and I, and I just, I, especially in February, which was right after my miscarriage, I just grieved. And, um, it was really scary cause I'm a, I, I like to work. I like work being a distraction. I like being able to help people. And it was really hard to not work. Um, and you guys probably had no idea left cause you know, I got on my podcast none in advance, but, um, yeah, I, I took some time off and, and rested and grieved. And that was another important thing that's just like unrelated to blood chemistry. And I guess sort of related all of our blood marker, all of our mark, every, all of our chemistry in our body responds to our emotions and, and grief and things like that. Um, and I did things like taking up some salt baths. I took, um, I, I do saunas a little bit more now, and, and and those are just some gentle things I could do to help myself detox. The result is way more energy. I ended up, probably one of the most interesting things is I took a three-day course um, for visceral manipulation, and I've taken these three-day and four-day courses before, and they just completely demolish me. And my husband knows, like, she'll come back, I'll come back in the evening from the course and just be like, good night, honey, and cannot do stuff. And so typically, we plan to just leave me alone the days of those courses, and not like plan a date night or going out with friends or whatever. And I had so much energy, I literally came home, I was like, or I, I would text him or call him on the way home and be like, what do you want to do? And he's like, are you, are you feeling okay? I was like, I feel great. And that was just like night and day difference of like, wow, how different my energy levels are compared to all these changes. It was the first time I'd had a, a three-day course since COVID hit, for sure. The first day I'd had a three-day course since COVID hit. And within three weeks of making these changes, which was, it was three weeks later after I changed some estrogen or some of my hormone related stuff and it been about two or three months since changing my diet stuff and um I just totally different took that at the end of June and was amazing pain levels were down like GI pain in general which I didn't even realize I was having the amount that I was having which I sound like my clients I, I just sound like a human when I say that I was like wow I was having a lot of just GI stuff I was having to muddle through and uh, can't believe I was putting up with that. My mood improved. That was amazing. Um, 
I have a decreased white coating on my tongue, which has to do, if you have been following functional work at all for a while, you know that white coating on your tongue has to do with microbial imbalances, sometimes specifically even yeast overgrowth or, or um, acid um improper acid balance in the stomach. And so that has almost completely gone, which just really tells me my microbiome is way more balanced. Um, I have less morning nasal congestion and evening post nasal drip, which is phenomenal. It just means that when I do go on a run, it's easier to breathe. And I I mean, I didn't have, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty bad in college. That was the worst when it was. Um, I remember that and I thought it was allergies and it was really just all my gut health problems starting to begin. Um, my my body temperature has increased and by not not freakishly, I'm, I'm not feverish. It was actually too low, which is a sign of hypothyroidism as well as some other stuff. But um, that is great. Like I, I take my body temperature every morning as part of how um, I track my cycle. And if you don't know about that, that's fine. We're not jumping into it now, but women's body temperature changes at different points in their cycle. And all my lows are higher, all my highs are higher, and that's amazing. That's really good. Also, having um, enough progesterone, healthy progesterone levels also increases your body temperature. And so um, it just means my progesterone's probably happier, my thyroid's probably happier, um, which is great. And so that was, again, that's subtle, I guess you could say. It's not like I think my overall sense of feeling warm has actually improved. Um, maybe not enough that I'm like, it's like night and day, but it is, it's definitely improved. Um, and that is, that's where I'm at right now. Like I've seen results. I made some changes. I went through definitely emotional rigmarole of, I think there's always the emotional rigor, the, always the emotional roller coaster of the event, whether that's a car accident or an unexpected I don't know, I'm thinking like stroke or something like that happens to your body or like miscarriage or a surgery, just something that you're like body wasn't, didn't sign up for this or, or, you know, I, or it's just something, you know, you're going to have to recover from. There's always all of that emotions there. And then there's the emotions tied to the changes you're asked to make. And then there's the emotions in between of not knowing what changes to make. And that's, that is the health journey. I just last week, um, we released hero or maybe it was two weeks ago. I'm sorry guys, but, but, um, we, this month had a podcast on the health is a hero's journey and the fact all the different stages of the hero's journey involves things like not knowing what the solution or having a problem not knowing what the solution is missing information um this the pain of the process of finding the solution having somebody help you along the way um like my acupuncturist she helped me along the way and my my doctor she she played her part and my my mentor or like different functional practitioners who I talk to, who are my friends who, who I talk to about my labs and what I went through and, and just friends period who I talked to, who, who said, yeah, we'll, we'd be happy to change what we were going to make so that you can have some food to eat or sure. We understand you won't be eating everything at the meal tonight and, and you're going to stick to certain things. I like had a family vacation and we had to tell all of my husband's family that please, you know, separate grains from the meal so I can if if there's meat and veggies I can just eat that and they were so kind and and they're they're really phenomenal he's very loving and accepting family but that was scary and and I actually asked my husband to write or to, to communicate that to them or actually he offered dang it guys he offered he's amazing um he offered he's like hey would you like me to communicate this information I was like honestly 
Yes, I will take that. <laughs> and there's a plenty of people I'm having to personally tell about my diet change. I would love it if you would just communicate this because um, we're only married two years and your family's super nice. And I just, but I just, I, it would just be so helpful. And he did. And oh my gosh, it was so helpful. And that's honestly part of the healing of just be, knowing you're accepted no matter what food you do and don't eat, no matter if you have a kid or not yet. Like all of my, all of my husband's, family, all of his siblings, they all have more than they have like two or more kids. Um, and it's like, we don't have any kids yet. And it's just, there's no pressure of like, what you don't have a kid yet or all that jazz. And, and that's, that's part of the healing. And, and that is a better belly therapies. We want to do the it testing and get the better information. We want to have a better plan so you can know what to do, but then working the plan, like that's its whole process. And we want to be there and part of supporting you and and talking with you and guiding you and giving coaching. And so that's the whole thing. But that that being said, I do want to just make again a plug and realize yesterday and as of today, Blood Lab Bootcamp is available. If you are like, wow, Allison, I want to jump on board with this blood chemistry and being able to read my labs and find what my doctor missed and take back my health and, and get an idea of what my next steps are then you can join this course and you can learn how to read your blood chemistry, not just today, but for tomorrow and, and next year and five years from now and 10 years from now and have this information in your as a tool for the rest of your life. As a quick note, we only have slots for 25 participants. And as of the recording of this podcast episode, I don't know how many slots are taken. And so if you want to take this, um, it is open right now. And the registration will be open either until all the participation slots are taken, which is 25, or until September 8th when registration will close and the course will not be available anymore. What you get with the course, though, is phenomenal. I mean, I already talked a little bit about things that we talk about, everything from showing you how to, giving you all the functional lab ranges so you can differentiate not just standard and unhelpful lab ranges, but what a healthy lab, a healthy range is for markers, what all those markers might mean, not just one thing, but the multiple things, how to look for patterns in your blood chemistry, what labs or other ways, other places you can look for information that you can that you can garner from those patterns, some tips uh, and ideas of what you can do to change in your health from that. Um, my blood chemistry didn't have as much directly in it of what I could change, but there are plenty of things that you can have, uh, even just straight from blood chemistry of, of some lifestyle changes or some supplements to change or whatever it is. And so just really phenomenal and really empowering information. So you don't feel crazy anymore of like, do I really feel that bad? <laughs> or is there, there really that much going on inside me? There really, really is. And symptoms don't aren't there for no reason, which I relearned again in my own life. So if you want to join this course, it is a four-week course. And at the end, there is a bonus, which will not be a part of every time we release this course. It is a bonus as a thank you and as a celebration for having this be the first time we're launching it and just to have the maximum and honestly fun amount of 
as much fun as we can have in this course, and which is a bonus group Zoom call with me at the end of the course, September or yes, September 29th. And you can bring any questions you have from the course, any of your blood chemistry you want me to look over and talk about if you have specific questions that will be available at the end of that course. It's a bonus for joining us this round. And so if you want to have a be a part of this course, you want answers. If you have blood chemistry right now, you can use whatever blood chemistry you have. If you want new blood chemistry, I have information in there on to guide you on what markers to get that so that you can ask your doctor or whoever and however you want to get them, um, order them through us. You can do that and get it, um, get it and and get the most recent blood labs if that's what you want to do. And so if you want to be part of that, we have a link in the show notes. You can register now. The course starts September 1st and it will end September 29th. And then the best, best thing, if it doesn't get any better, is that once you are, once you've joined for this course, you have access to that information forever, unlimited access. So you, you can always go back to the course materials, the downloads, the videos, review them, refresh them, memorize them, whatever you want to do, however much fun you want to have every time you get new blood chemistry going back and getting that information again so that you are never alone in your health journey process. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. I haven't done an episode quite like it before, and I really hope that it blessed you and encouraged you in your journey. As a reminder, our course registration is open right now for Blood Lab Bootcamp, and I didn't mention it yet, but it is going to be for a price that it will never be again. It is a total steal. I want as many people as possible to be able to take this course. And so if you want to jump on this, jump on it now. It will never be this price again. Also, if you love this episode and you thought of somebody as you were listening, I encourage you share this podcast episode with them. Or maybe you know somebody who you think would love the Blood Lab Boot Camp, or you want to take it together with somebody. I would love it if you would share it and I could see all you and your friends and family in that course with me together. Well, if you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe if you have not yet so that you can catch all of our upcoming goodies and information. Other ways that you can support us is by leaving a rating and review. It would mean so much. I have seen an increased number of ratings on our Apple iTunes, and I would love to see reviews and hear what is sticking out to you guys and what is impacting you. Other ways that you can stay in the conversation is by following us on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. I've been hearing from more of you guys and it is so fun to hear where you're coming from what's sticking out to you and where you are in your health journey if you have any ideas on podcast episodes you want to come out also feel free to shoot us a dm i would love to hear what topics you're interested in and remember as always miracles are immediate they don't happen as fast as they want and they don't our health doesn't always go in a direction that we want right away but Healing takes time. We can expect that. We know that. And we can expect to see good things in the future. I hope to see you next week as we continue on our Better Belly Healing Journey.